Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy. I'm one of your hosts, as always, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I feel like I'm running out of highlight reels to watch again. I, 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 I need new. I need new content. Well, hopefully they keep just signing some street free agents because that'll at least keep you keep you busy on <laughs> YouTube for do. keep you busy on YouTube for a few more We've weeks. We've only got whatever four five more days until OTAs. until OTAs. Yes, we are. It's within the so week. There'll be there'll be some new video content being produced there. Exactly, hopefully. and you know us. We are fiends for content. You may notice I am speaking a little bit quicker than usual, and that is because we have. A lot to get to in this episode, so let's get right to it. Careful Today we how much you crank up the speed of this recording, listeners. Yes. If you're hitting two times, it, st- it might still take you a while to get through because we had a lot we're talking about today. As you know, we're trying to break down these prospects still. We are going an episode at a week, breaking down a couple prospects at a time. Last week we did Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, so go check that out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us. And when we're dropping new podcasts, we always tweet it out on our Twitter, at Father Son Packer. If you like what you heard, go listen to it there. We tweet out when we got new episodes, new content, articles we find interesting, pieces of news we find interesting, etc., etc., etc. So come give us a follow there. We also put all of our episodes out on YouTube, Father Son Packers Podcast on YouTube. You can find us there if you subscribe to us. It would really help our numbers, and we'd really appreciate it. But like I said, we did the two tight ends last week. We did Lucas Van Ness in the draft class as a whole two weeks Ago, and today we are doing Jaden Reed and Ontavian Wicks. No, it is not quite in the order of how they were drafted, but we just felt like pairing the receivers together would make some sense. And we are also going to talk a little bit about the schedule just very briefly and talk a little bit about uh, some of the coordinator pressers that they just had this past week that we, we, that we did not get a chance to talk about in the last episode. But like we said, a lot to get through this episode, a lot of things we're really excited about. We're going to be breaking down all these prospects as the weeks go by, as well as OTAs and any other news that come across our desk, because we are just that passionate about Packers football. Dad, whew, are you ready to get to it? Let's get to it. So first, there have been a few player uh, signings. Yes. First, after we last recorded... The, the Packers have added another safety. Jonathan Owens, formerly of the, the Houston Texans, husband of Simone Biles, the GOAT. Yep. So I, so, and the details just came out today, a one-year deal for $1.01 million, Yeah, um, and he Aaron was... Wilson on Twitter. He started, I think, every game for the Texans last year at safety. Very good. Uh, what you need to know about him, very good tackler. Bit iffy in coverage. Um, and always great to have another super fan of the Packers. They also just got married about two weeks ago. So congratulations to the newlyweds, uh, and a nice wedding present to them to have him sign with the Packers almost immediately after. I think it was literally five days after that he signed, which is kind of a crazy turnaround or at least based on Instagram photos. Who knows when the actual wedding was, but anyways, I think think they had a wedding and then they had a second, like big ceremony. ceremony. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so exciting. Another safety, probably I would say the second most experienced safety in terms of snaps played last year yeah. amongst the Packers I mean, players. Right. Last year was his first big year. I mean, he, yes. he, he missed a a whole year to injury. I think when his first year out of college, bounced around a little bit, only had a couple of... Uh, um, yeah, he, he mostly had been a primary, a primarily a special teams guy until last year. Um, I believe Joe Barry in his press conference that we'll talk about briefly in a second um, noted that they had predominantly been special teamers before, but thinks that Owens last year had his best year um, 
and just is excited to see just get about there on the field. He literally said he had just met him uh, like a couple days ago in that press conference. And so he was excited to see what he had to put on the field. But yeah, exciting that they're adding some competition to that safety room because we know there is going to be a lot of competition for that presumably second spot, assuming that Darnell Savage has that first spot locked up. Although even that isn't quite set in stone. Um, though, though they've, I think, it, it su- suggested that that is the case. Yes, they're going to give him every opportunity to get that first spot. I think it's his to lose at this point. Um, beyond that, they also signed a punter from the XFL, Daniel Wellen, I believe it's pronounced Whelan. I think it's Wellen. He's uh, right. He, he's Irish. He makes, he's Irish, right. If he, if he makes yeah. the team, he's going to be like the first Irish player in the NFL in, I don't know, like 10, 15 years. Yes. And, and he's, a big, he's, he's a big guy, too. Isn't he like 6'6 six, six punter or something? Yeah, he, I think he is on the bigger side, although I, I can't actually be sure about that. And then they also signed a – I thought he was a tackle, but you have him down as a center. Um, DJ Scaife, I believe it's pronounced. Yeah, that could be. I don't, I don't actually know. But yes. sounds good. Yeah, so he was from University of Miami. He was an undrafted free agent, and he was let go by – I'm drawing a blank. Well, I just looked it up, and Daniel uh, Willem was 6'5", 216. And uh, they claimed Scaife off of waivers from, oh, let's see, the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins. Yes. So, exciting. Adding some new players, getting ready for OTAs, kind of just putting some competition at some of those spots. Couldn't hurt. I'd be a little surprised if uh, either of those guys end up making the roster, but you never know. Uh, I think O'Donnell kind of has the punting job locked up unless Willen really blows him away. Um, But we'll see. Um, Beyond that, uh, though, the other piece of news is the schedule release. Um, Do you have anything that really stood out to you? I think the biggest thing to me was that they start with a pretty heavy road schedule and they have a very early bye were the two things that stood out to me. And opening week against the Bears, which is also always fun. I think that was intentional to have like a lot to try to set up this love fields rivalry. Yeah. Um, they, they start with the first two weeks on the road. So they don't get their first home game until week three. And I remember hearing people talk about that's five straight years now that they've opened on the road instead of at home. Um, I did. However, I think I like the schedule overall. Mm. I looked at the first eight weeks and it's Kool-Aid drinking season. Right oh, now yeah. in May. It's always cool it's drinking like, season oh, in May, baby. We could go eight no. Why not? <laughs> we could open up eight no. I mean, it looks like it's a you know, compared if you just go off this most recent year's finishes, which of course things change, only one playoff team, Minnesota, is in their first eight games, first eight weeks. And yeah. they were barely qualified as a playoff team. And it and it, it showed when they got smacked by the Giants at home. Yeah, and, and I think probably their toughest matchup in their, those first eight weeks might be Detroit. I think it's easily Detroit. The yeah. one they have maybe a lot the Broncos. If the Broncos put it together, maybe. But we'll see what they do with Sean Payton now in charge, and and the, and they have a lot of bad defenses going against early. Though the Saints have a good defense. I guess the Saints and Broncos probably are the two good defenses they'll face. Yeah, and I think the other big thing is. It is tough to start on the road, but I mean, yeah. it's gonna be fu- it's gonna be fun playing the Bears Week One. That's exciting. Yes, ha- half the teams have to start on the road, so yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> um, let's let shall we move on? Yeah, is there anything else that really stood out from the schedule? I think the other thing is they. Um, I don't know if you saw Warren Sharp's uh, tweet 
about how some teams are getting really screwed in terms of travel. The Packers are not one of those oh. teams. They're As generally this, the travel like and rest. Second, second least travel and a neutral rest, which is a big deal because a lot of teams are getting completely screwed on rest days compared to their opponents. Like the Niners right. are net like minus 27 days of rest in terms of their opponents. And they're playing four teams coming off buys in their whole schedule, which I is awful. So if you compare it to this past year where the, the uh, Packers had a, you know, uh, a rest disadvantage in a bunch of games there, it's much better than, than this, this past year. Yeah. So I think that's the main things to take away from the schedule. Let's move on really quickly to the press conferences so we can just kind of drill through these. Um, I just had a couple takeaways. Uh, I, I was the one that looked at these mostly and listened to them. I just grabbed like three of what I found to be the most interesting quotes or like kind of like paraphrased quotes. I didn't get exactly the quotes. Um, and just kind of wanted to see what you thought about. Um, so the first one just to talk about is Joe Barry's uh, presser. Um the first one, unfortunately, is um, down news is that Stokes is not ready to practice yet. Um, he is walking around the facility. Uh, I thought the use of the word walking was interesting. He did, like... he did not specify walking like he didn't say it in that way. But I thought walking is always a good sign. Like he's not like still like limp, he's like a wheelchair. I mean, <laughs> we never knew what this injury this was. This is the thing. We still don't know. They still have not said what the injury is, which is really weird. Yes. It's very odd. It's very strange. I don't think anyone's asked, though, to be fair. Um, I don't know why no one's asked. But, yeah, so he is still not ready to practice. So for OTAs, Nixon will be the starting slot corner, and they'll have Rasul and Jair on the outside, he said. Um, but he is on the road to recovery. Um, I know there was that report a long time ago in the offseason that he might be ready for week one. I i have not seen an update since then, so I'm not sure. No. And, and, the, and the fact that they have said early on that Nixon is going to be the, basically the slot corner starting means that, okay, and the other two corners are Rasul yeah. and Jair. So they, I think they, they've kind of a, they showed their hand that they're not expecting Stokes to be ready by the beginning of the year. Yeah, and then um, the other things were essentially a lot of questions were surrounding the fact that the defense did improve as the year went on. And so they kind of asked him, like, what he learned about, like, the defense, what he learned in general um, from last year. And he stressed that, like, he doesn't like looking backwards. He likes looking forwards, like all that old classic coach speak. Um, but I think he said specifically um, he seemed to like what they did at the end of last year, um, but stressed that, like, there isn't time to waste. And that while they evolved well into what worked for them last year, they can't waste 10 weeks getting there. That has to start now. To me, what that kind of seems like is – my main takeaway from what they changed last year was they kind of went to more man coverage as the year went on. And so I wonder if they're going to start as a more man-heavy team through the whole year and kind of what they should have done, honestly. I sure but... hope so. I mean, everybody thought they took too long to do that. And I have heard somebody describe this, and I can't remember who, and I'm sorry, podcaster says, this is Joe Barry should be wearing a hot dog suit while he's up there and saying we have to find the person responsible for it's taking we're, 10 weeks to get there we're all trying to find the guy who did this um if you haven't watched i think you should leave at least go check that out because that is one of the funniest things i've ever seen um and then the other thing they asked him essentially like what the two things he thinks they need to work on are and they, they eventually got an answer out of him and he said situational football and tackling 
were the two things they needed to work on the most. And I thought the tackling thing was in particular interesting because his first year there, they were the best tackling team in the league. And that was kind of his calling card. And then last year, it just fell apart. They couldn't tackle you know, worth a damn. And, and I would like to make a comment on this because I've heard a lot of people talking about this. Like, they've got all the same people back and they were bad tackling last year. Why would you expect them to improve? And I would say because they've done it before under Barry, that they have been able to tackle well under Barry once. One yes. year, yes, and the other year, no. So they they can't. I think it gives a little more optimism that they'll be able to be a better tackling team. Yeah, and, and the fact that like it was the same personnel two years ago, and they were a better tackling team. Well, that's like what you I said. mean. Just, yeah, that's yeah, what they, mean, yeah, yeah. They, 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 yeah. So that two years that they can get back to what the same players have done in the past. Yeah, and I don't expect them to be the best tackling team in the league like they were two years ago. But they felt like it felt like they were one of the worst tackling teams. And I know we talked about it a lot in season, and we had the actual numbers then. I can't remember them off the top of my head right now. But yeah, they were. They were really bad tackling the football. And the he got to tackling the football by talking about, he was like situational football and explosive plays. And then he said, those explosive plays a lot of the time were because we couldn't tackle and we need to tackle better. Um, so anything from that Barry presser that stood out um, from those those quotes? Or I think I've you mentioned already, them already. Yeah. yeah. So well, we let's move on, on to Stenovich. Um, the things that I found interesting, uh, apparently they watched a lot of 49ers film to see what they did to make Brock Purdy successful last year. Um, and he thinks that the offense is going to look pretty different this year. Um, he did acknowledge, though, that it is different when you're working with the skill players the Niners have as opposed <laughs> to the skill players the Packers have. You mean have. it matters to have Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, and Brandon Ayuk? I think it All, does. Uh, you think it makes a difference? It just might. Um, but so he, he acknowledged that, but he did think that there are, there are some things that they could take away from that um, to help Jordan Love this year. Um, he thought that Tom would compete for the right guard and right tackle spot and possibly even the center spot, which I found interesting. So it sounds like they are not locking Myers into that center spot, which is probably for the best because I don't think he's earned a no doubt starting spot. I think he should have to compete for that spot, given the fact that he really struggled at times last year. Uh, and then the other thing was he mentioned uh, when asked about like a lot of like essentially losing a lot of leaders on offense in terms of losing Rodgers, of course, but Mercedes Lewis and uh, Alan Lazard as well and Randall Cobb. And mentioned by name uh, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, uh, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and Josiah DeGuara as uh, potential leaders for the offense who have played a lot of snaps in the system. Uh, any thoughts on any of those main takeaways from Stenovich? A lot of the rest of the stuff was pretty generic stuff and a lot of Jordan Love-centric, like, oh, I think he's going to be ready, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's interesting. So I guess you'd say that they're – Keeping Bakhtiari, of course, at left tackle, and Jenkins, where he is at left guard, if they're you know not including that bit, any of that shuffling, um, like thinking about Jenkins at center or right tackle or anything like that, that that seemed to be not something they're considering right now. As opposed to leaders, you know, there are a few people who are thinking that Deguara could actually see a lot more um, with love than he than he did from Rogers' doghouse, um, and, and essentially, you know, they they came in he. If you're about leaders got Love, Dylan, and Deguara all came in on the same draft. Yeah, and may have uh, you know, a, it may be that they'll, they'll have a lot of uh, rapport on the field from kind of coming up into the league together. Something One can to hope. An eye out for. And then, last but not least, um, Bisaccia. Uh, he 
said he had to do his presser last because he forgot his hearing aids and had to go get them. <laughs> and so he had to go get his hearing aids and come back and uh, so he could do the press conference. And that's why he went last as opposed to usually, I guess, going a little earlier. Um, a little fun. So if he's yelling at everybody, it's just because he doesn't have his hearing aids in? He did ask uh, them to repeat the questions quite a few times. Uh, he was like, sorry, could you? That's, that's on me. Um, a little fun note. Uh, a lot of the questions were centered around Anders Carlson, um, understandably, because I think that is the, the biggest thing. Um, a little fun note. He has known the Carlson family, I guess, for a long time. I did not realize he coached a brief stint at Auburn for like a month, for literally like two months. And uh, the Carlsons, uh, Daniel Carlson, Anders Carlson's older brother who kicked with the Raiders, who... Uh, Basaccia coached was Basaccia's first. Went to Auburn. Also went to Auburn. Was Basaccia's first home visit. So um, he like probably met Anders when he was what, like sixth grade or something. He said he met him when he was fourteen, and he looked like I think the quote was a Great Dane puppy, where it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the big paws and the. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, but yeah. So he said he met him when he was fourteen. Um, so that was a little fun note. Uh, besides that, um, I think the most interesting thing is they seem to be, or at least he seems to be all in on Carlson. Um, he thinks the organization is ready to wet quote, weather the storm, uh, with Carlson and thinks that all rookies, not just kickers tend to struggle. Um, as a rookie, he pointed out the fact that, uh, Daniel Carlson, while he struggled with the rookies with the, uh, as a rookie with the Vikings, like kind of found it out as he goes, he talked about, he's like, Hey, how is that different than Peyton Manning leading the league in interceptions as a rookie? Like he said, any rookie, regardless of position is going to struggle. You just have to stick with them and like show you have faith in them. And he said, it's only different for kickers because they're out there alone. Um, and he said he, he kind of like seemed to like being like, I don't know why people treat the kicker position differently than these other positions that struggle as rookies. Um, uh, you he, could argue that the Vikings should have had more patience with him. Yes, it seems to be true. Or with Daniel, his older brother. With his um, older brother, right. Yeah. Um, the One of the interesting, I think, technical questions that was asked was uh, Daniel Carlson, or sorry, Anders Carlson, and Daniel as well, but Anders specifically, is a bigger kicker. He's six foot five, um, which is not super common. And he, they asked him what, like, the struggles of um, being, I forget, I don't know which uh, reporter asked this. It's hard to tell on the video. Um, what the struggles of being a bigger kicker were. And he was like, oh, he, like, he seemed a little excited. He was like, oh, that's a very good question. He said the, the struggle mainly is in the approach angle. Um, and that when you're bigger, it's harder to like, you don't take like a, as standard of an approach angle as these other guys. Like approach angle, I guess, is a function of height, um, which I didn't realize. Um, and that he uh, thinks you can see that that was something that Daniel Carlson struggled with early in his career. Um, and that he thinks that Anders has played a lot better since getting that brace off and coming to be with the Packers and getting those reps there um, since he kicked with the brace last year. Um, yeah, I think the brace off is just in like workouts in the senior bowl. Yeah, like, exactly. Because you know, he, he had the brace on, I think, through the entire season last year. Yeah, and he credited Jamie Cole, I believe the name is, who is this like kicker guru who works with all these kickers coming out of college for changing some stuff with Anders Carlson that he thinks has really helped him. And he acknowledged that uh, Carlson had a lot of ups and downs at Auburn, but he thinks that his mental makeup is strong and thinks he's kicked in a lot of big games and that should help him at the NFL level. He liked his body structure. He liked his ability for his frame to get stronger. And he liked his ability to self-correct were like the things that he specifically mentioned that he liked about Anders Carlson. Um, any of that stuff stand out to you? I know we're both pretty skeptical about Carlson at the next level, yeah. but. And, and I have a lot of notes on Carlson that we could talk about uh, when we get to him in the draft, but uh Maybe maybe they've maybe 
the workouts and the tra- and the training with the the kicking guru has sh- already shown up in like the senior bowl. Yeah, and I think that um the fact that the fact that Bisaccio seems to have some faith in him it's at least something um the fact that he was able to point out specific things that he thinks are changeable for Anders Carlson is is good I guess. Um, I'll, I guess I'll believe it when I see it. We'll see how he looks in like OTAs and training camp. Um, but dad, let's get on to the meat of our, um, podcast because we have a lot to talk about for these receivers. Um, and let's, should we hit the road with Jaden Rhea? Should we just hit the ground running? Yeah. He's the, the first, uh, wide receiver they took in this year's draft. 50th um, overall pick second round 50th overall in the second round. So there's the second of their two second round picks. They ended up trading back twice. Um, it was originally the 45th pick, and so they, they traded back with the Lions to get 48 and, and add pick 159, and then they traded back again with the Bucks to get to switch that to pick 50 and pick 179. So they they added um, pick 159 and 179. Players they missed out on by trading back those five spots are um, safety sa- possible safeties, Branch from Alabama, Jartavius Martin from Illinois, um, Cody Mock, uh, a line, possible offensive lineman, and Keanu Benton, a possible defensive lineman, I'd say, were the players they, they missed out on by trading back. So if they had decided already they wanted to take a wide receiver, it cost them nothing. Yeah, exactly. And I think the, that's had those picks. That's the big takeaway is, is they seem to – they must have at least had a couple receivers on their board they were okay with taking or a couple guys. Right. It, they probably felt there may be – three guys and some of them I was thinking about around the time and they would have been happy with any of them and probably thought that they would all three go in those intervening picks, especially if they, since they did it in two steps, it's like, okay, we'll go back three spots. We have three pick. We like, Oh, they're all still there. Let's go back another two spots. Yeah, exactly. And you know, that's just good GMing. Um, but yeah, so they take 23 year old wide receiver out of Michigan state, Jaden Reed, dad, what were your initial thoughts when they took him? So my first thought was I was happy they they picked a wide receiver. So okay, good. Getting a wide receiver now, we're not waiting too long. But I was surprised. I expected if they got one, he, you know, that he was still there, it would have been um Jalen Hyatt. It mm-hmm. was kind of the same same reaction I had. Because uh Well a there lot was of people there were, were rumors him of Jalen Hyatt all the way up at fifteen. Right, that he could go in the first round, and there was reported interest, at least the combine of him talking to him and stuff, and and, and so I I I was had more on my radar radar Jalen Hyatt or Rashi Rice as a wide receiver in the second round, oh, and I had both of them over uh, over Jane Reed, who I admit I hadn't really been following that closely because I thought he was going to be out of their th- um, thresholds. Yes, and I think I have the exact same initial takeaway. I was like, this is not a guy who was on my radar because I thought he was too small and wasn't going to fit their athletic thresholds. And so let's move on like we have all these prospects and talk about that physical profile because it is pretty far outside of their usual like height, weight, speed, and relative athletic score and just general explosive testing numbers. He did not test as a super elite athlete. Um, So just to read this out, um, this is from, uh, Kentley Platt of, um, at math bomb on Twitter, who does these relative athletic scores. Um, he is five, ten, uh, five, 10 and seven eighths, almost five eleven. 
187 pounds uh, with 30 and a half inch arms. So pretty small guy, relative athletic score of 6.74, um, 13 reps on the bench, a 33 and a half inch vert, which was just in the 43rd percentile, a 10 foot broad jump though, which was in the 63rd percentile. So at least one of his jumps were good. And as we talked about in our uh, pre-draft prep, the vertical jump is something that they don't seem to really care that much about with receivers. If you remember, Marquez Valdez-Scantling had a terrible vertical jump. They did not mind. Um, great speed score. Uh, a 4.45 in the 40-yard dash, which was up in the 86th percentile. Uh, not as fast as you maybe would have expected for someone his size, but still well within um, like an excellent speed. And apparently the Packers had him timed all the way up at like a 4.37. Um, I don't know what that timing is from. Is that like a private workout? Is that their own handheld timer at the same, the same 40 or do you run a different 40? I would imagine Um, it's pro day. We would know, I think if he had a private workout, I don't think he would, that would have been something that was announced. And I don't remember him being a top 30 visit. Um, but I don't think he was an elite 20 yard. I would say is yeah, his splits are are yes. An elite 20 yard split up in the 92nd percentile, two, five, five, an elite 10 yard split of one, five, three up in the 90th percentile. Um, and then a average short shuttle four, two, nine, five, uh, which is in the 52nd percentile. And then he did not complete a three cone. Um, but his, uh, his athletic comparisons, um, that kind of based on that RAS are, Armonte Edwards out of Appalachian State in 2010, TJ Jones out of Notre Dame in 2014, DeAndre Tompkins out of Penn State, not DeAndre Hopkins, don't get that confused, in 2019, uh, Teron Selby out of Delaware State in 2019, and Brisley Esteem out of Syracuse in 2017. So a lot of players you probably are not familiar with. Right, so (laughs) an uninspiring group of comps based on his RAS. Um, And I would say, from my perspective, so I think one of the things that hurt him in his RAS is... So he's elite in the speed, or great in the speed, okay in the agility and the explosion overall, but small. Yeah, small, and I think, and the short arms is also something. But I would say that's the thing that is the biggest red flag physically, I would say, are the short arms and small hands. He has the shortest arms of the Packers receiver draftees under Gutekinds, um, except for Amari Rodgers. Yes, and, and his arms, according to hands. Mock Draftable, are in the 14th percentile of receivers, and his hand size are in the 30th percentile of receivers, just just to put out there. Yeah, the only player on the team now with smaller hands is Bo Melton. Yes, although I would say when you watch him, just to be fair, that does not really seem to be, hand size does not seem to be much of a problem for him. No, it's interesting that he's not that tall, and he also doesn't have long arms, but he wins a lot of contested catches. Yes. And just to finish up this athletic profile, before we start talking about those contested catches and a bit more about his production, per playerprofiler.com, he has a 79th percentile speed score, but a 30th percentile burst score, which is not great. They put him in about the bottom 25% all-time in athleticism at receiver, um, which is adjusted for size. But his player profiler comp is Stefan Diggs, which yes, is... A, a pretty much good more comp. inspiring comp yeah. than the uh, RAS comps. Yes. Um, was above average in a few senior bowl speed measurements. Um, elite in max acceleration. Fifth best all-time of 70 in five years of testing. Which, you know, so there are some, some I would say, some green flags in his athleticism that are at least 
kind of give you at least some optimism, but I think for the most part, there are definitely athletic question marks in terms of when you just look at his testing numbers. When you watch him play, I don't see them as much come up, um, but we'll talk about that in just a second. Dad, do you want to talk a little bit about his production during his time at Western Michigan, where he stayed and played for a year, and then Michigan State, where he then transferred to? Right, so he had um, good, decent production. I forget how how high it was actually, but it was good at Western Michigan enough to uh, um, enough to get him a get him a chance at Michigan State, which is a big time program. Right. I know they struggled last year, essentially, and he struggled last year, which we'll get into. But it's a big time program, and I mean, he essentially transferred there to play with his high school quarterback um, Thorn. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about how that went. But, Dad, uh, do you want to talk more about, I guess, his time at Michigan State since that is more recent for him? He had to take a year off yeah. between Western Michigan and Michigan State, I believe, anyway. So he, it's he a long time ago. He took 2019 off, but he did have almost 800 yards as a freshman at Western Michigan. Yeah, and then big after, so he had a, And then after going on to Michigan State, he had you know, a modest first year there, only 400 yards, but then... Um, 20... 2021, I mean, 20, 400 yards in 2020, we know there's a lot of stuff going on in 2020, but 2021 is like, that was his year. Yeah, he had uh, um, over 1,000 yards in 2021 and 10 receiving touchdowns. Not so much in 2022 with uh, 636 yards, and his yards per uh, catch also went down um, significantly. Yeah, it went down from 17.4 all the way down to 11.6, which pretty and, much that, and, that's and five the touchdowns. Yeah, I think besides the athleticism question marks, the big question is what happened from 2021 to 2022 is the question and the fact that he's a bit of an older prospect at 23. Yeah, so that's the theme of the day. Um, but he but he also, you know, and other things that he's done his Receiving grade was, you know, basically near, near elite in 2021 with an 82.2 by PFF and only 70.4 in uh, 20, 2022. His um, his drop percentage is okay. I mean, it's like a, a little bit um, better than average at 8.3%. His contested catch rate is, is elite um, with o- almost 65%. And his yards after catch is um, just kind of modest with four yards um, after catch per reception in 2022. His, uh, I would say, oh, and his alignment, I think is something we should talk about too. He's yes, done he a is lot someone that I think some slot work, but actually more outside, um, a lot more outside than, than in the slot, even though he's a shorter receiver. Yeah, and he's someone that can really play all over the formation. Um, and I think that's part of what was enticing to the Packers is that he's not going to be, he is a smaller guy, but he's not going to be pigeonholed into the slot. Um, he had a lot of great production though at, um, at Michigan state. And I think something that comes up is a lot of people seem very torn on how to evaluate Jaden Reed. Uh, you hear this a lot when you, if you dig into the fantasy community, specifically the dynasty fantasy community, they do a lot of work on essentially pre- uh, predicting, not necessarily prospect success, but prospect 
prospect production. And they do a very good job of this because like a lot of money in dynasty football, a lot of money is money in daily fantasy, a lot of money in fantasy football. And so they, they put a lot of time into predicting production. And a lot of people seem very torn because on the one hand, he's an older prospect. On the other hand, he had a very good breakout age. And then on the other hand, on one hand, he's kind of small and not super athletic. On the other hand, like he had a very good, like his best season in college was super dominant. And right, so we could talk a little bit about some of these other um, yeah. metrics. Take it, let's that, take it away uh, with some of these metrics, and let's so, let's so try and explain. Also... Let's try and explain each metric as we go through them, because people okay. like Matt Harmon of Reception Perception are super high on this guy. Even while right. some people are like in right. the traditional draft community might not be quite as high on him. Right. I'll let you talk about that part. I'll talk a little bit about so just overall, he had over twenty eight hundred yards in his career, and his catch percentage was always for his four years between like 58% and 65.5%. So no, no no bad years. Overall, 14 yards perception in 26 TDs. Per player profile, he had an elite breakout age of at 18.4. It's the 98th percentile in breakout age. And his college dominator was in the 73rd percentile. His yards per reception for his whole career is only in the 27th um, per, um, percentile. But he was productive pretty much, uh, you know, every year in college. So, you know, some of the things that people care a lot about are dominator and breakout age in terms of predicting success at the NFL level. Yeah. And the idea of college dominator rating is it kind of represents a player's like market share of their team's offensive production. Like how like it kind of controls for how good the offense is as a whole and and essentially shows like, hey. Like the like, even if the offense isn't good, they were the whole offense. Or like, hey, like even though this player like did a lot of good stuff and like their numbers look really good, it's like a lot of it was because their offense was insane. Um, but so in this case, like, like he, he was a a very good like large amount of the offense. And then breakout rating is essentially like like what year did they kind of step out on the scene as like a real player? And there's a lot of numbers involved that I can't remember off the top of my head. But that's just kind of how those numbers work. Yep, I don't know if you want to. Uh, yeah, we can things to talk about. I could talk about you want to you want to go on to the uh, the Matt Harmon. Yeah, stuff, so Matt Harmon. And then I can touch on a few more things after that. Yeah, Matt Harmon on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB is a football analyst who specialty is in receivers, specifically with a project called Reception Perception, which is kind of tracking essentially how each receiver does on each individual route and uh, against different types of coverages, um, and so. Jaden Reed was a player that he was particularly high on coming out of the draft. Um, according to this, um, according to this tweet on Twitter by him, like I said, at Mar- Matt Harmon underscore BYB, uh, new Packers wide receiver Jaden Reed in reception perception, a 70.3% success rate versus man coverage, a 79.2% success rate versus zone, and a 77.8% success rate versus press, which is 87th percentile or best which was best in this class he said he loved this pick for green bay um and i have heard somebody say and i can't remember who it was again that if he was like 6-1 he would have been the number one wide receiver taken this year yeah the big question is the size and the athleticism um but you see he actually breaks down um jaden reed's success by route in 2022 so this is in the season that he wasn't as successful but on corner routes 
He had a 64.3% success rate. On out routes, he had a 100% success rate, even though he didn't run those those routes as often. On dig routes, he had an 84.6% success rate, um, which he actually did run in a, on a higher route. His best route is the uh, curl route, um, not necessarily by success rate, but in terms of success rate and um, uh, usage. R- usage. He ran curl routes on 20.6% of his routes, so 1 in 5, and then had an 84.8% success rate on those routes, so he dominated on curl routes in 2022. Um, did not run comebacks very well, uh, 0% success rate, but also didn't run many, very many, 0.6%, so just wasn't used much in that. Um, that may be only like you know, one or two routes. Exactly. It's really such a small just sample size, wasn't, you can't say. Yeah, wasn't used much. Um, uh, 45.2% success rate on nine routes, which are essentially just straight verticals used on that around 20%, 19.4%. You have to remember though, that nine routes are a route that is not as successful in general for any receivers. Very successful on flat routes, 89%. Um, not as successful on slant routes, 76%, uh, percentile, uh, 76%. Um, and even though running them 15.6% of the time, uh, very successful on screens though, hundred percent success on screens and running them 12% of the time. Um, so really dominant on a lot of different routes, um, corners, digs, screens, flats, uh, curls, all very successful in all ones that he ran a lot in college. Um, like we said, able to beat press coverage, um, 87%, uh, the best against press coverage by the stats in this class. Um, so there's a lot to like with Jaden Reed in terms of his production profile coming out of college when you break it down by route. So Matt Harmon, like I said, does great work with that. He really liked this pick. And so that got me very excited about this pick. Dad, did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about in terms of his stats in college and his production in college? So, um, I looked at his, uh, passer rating when targeted by NFL They had him at 107.1. And PFF had him at 103.7 for his career. Um, his QB at Michigan State, meanwhile, in the last three years, his rating overall was only 91.2. Yeah. So much so, better rating when throwing it to Jaden Reed than to the rest of the team, which I think is another. Alex is a little bit more work on this, like not just your sort of um, QBR when. Rating when targeted over expected based on how well your QB performs to the rest of the pass catchers, and then how that delta compares, um, yeah, you know, as a percentile, you know, what percentile you're in with that delta. And it's kind of right. something to it's similar to how we were talking about how a player's like d- dominator or dominator rating is in terms of like how they are producing like in the context of their offense in the context of the offense how they are producing in the context of their quarterback because a receiver's only as good as they're like he's not going to catch balls that aren't thrown to him well like it just is what it is and and also looking at uh where he is targeted in the field he was elite at over 10 yards and over 20 yards in both 22 and and 20 and 2021 he had 46 Um, plays of over 20 yards in the past two years of college like yeah. that's and, and that's insane. Slight, slightly lower grades on shorter passes, but not not bad. Um, his drop percentage is consistent, you know, like in 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 all of his years, and um, he he drew a few penalties, not a ton, a couple penalties each year. Yeah. Um, but uh, otherwise, he's been remarkably consistent. Yeah, and that forty six plays his yard. I would say the one thing his yards per route run. Is not superb. Mm-hmm. Um, 2.18 for his career, and uh, his best year was 
in 2021 was 2.67. Um, last year was only 1.83. Yeah, and that's the big question is that 2022 season was a big step back. And I think if he had just gone out after that 2021 season, it would have been a lot better for him. But it is what it is. Um, by the way, that 46 plays of 20-plus yards is courtesy of Dane Brugler of The Athletic. And since I'm talking about Dane Brugler, Dad, is there anything else you wanted to talk about on the production side, or should we talk a little bit about what the scouts had to say about them? I have covered my notes, so let's go on. Okay, so scout quotes and scout rankings. So I think this is a part where there are some question marks and some downsides with Jaden Reed, because when you see where a lot of these scouts had him ranked versus where the Packers took him, there are some question marks. Um, so the rem- remember that the Packers took him at 50th overall. So Dane Brugler, uh, I'll start with Daniel Jeremiah of the of uh, NFL.com of NFL Network um, had Jaden Reed as the 81st overall player on his board, wide receiver 10. Mel Kuyper of ESPN had him as the 82nd player on his board, wide receiver 13. Dane Brugler of The Athletic had him as the 80th player on his board, wide receiver 10. Quote from Brugler. Overall, Reed will have a tougher time overcoming his slight size versus NFL defensive backs, but his speed, route tempo, and downfield ball skills are the ingredients of a potential NFL playmaker. With a few technical tweaks to his game, he has NFL starting ability, slot and outside, and adds value as a return man. And then PFF had him as 122nd overall and wide receiver 15. Uh, This quote from PFF. Complete three-level route runner. These are the pros. Complete three-level route runner. Isn't limited in any way. Has another gear downfield, more than enough speed to get vertical in the NFL. However, these were the cons. Quote, can get pushed around at his size. And then they also said, rel- the, one of his downsides, of course, that we've already talked about, relatively short arms for receiver that might limit plays outside of his frame. And so when you look at those, and then when you look at the draft capital investment that the Packers made with him, there are some question marks on whether or not this was a reach at 50 overall. A lot higher than a lot of people had him ranked. However, I do remember Brugler in the Athletic NFL show live did have him ranked lower, down to 80, but was still high on the player. He said, yeah, this is a lot higher than I than I had him, but I do like him as a player is pretty much what he said. Um, yeah, you and, could say both his position taken in the draft overall, where they got him at 50 instead of around 80, and also among the wide receivers, where they he was the sixth wide receiver off the board, and most of the uh, scouts had him in the you know 10 to 15 range yeah and it seems like most scouts have talked about concerns that similar concerns that we have is size and um some limits in terms of athleticism um however uh if you ask the packers here are some quotes that they had to say about him uh Gutekunst thinks he plays a lot bigger these quotes i took from packers wire by the way they have a nice little roundup collection of these quotes from packers uh, executives um but brian Gutekunst, packers gm thinks he plays a lot bigger than he is um, and then John Eric Sullivan, uh, who is the Packers director of player personnel, said, quote, he plays fast. He's got good tempo and he's quick. He can get in and out of breaks. Obviously, outside the numbers, the speed comes into play. But on the inside, he's strong and can get in and out of breaks to create separation, end quote. And then also, quote, we feel he's versatile enough to play both inside and outside. And Matt's pretty creative with those guys to do the jet suite stuff and do some of the return stuff. That was part of the like for him. Felt he was a pretty versatile player. Um, so... Those are some quotes in terms of like, yes, they think he's a smaller guy, but that his size, he doesn't play to his size, I guess. And 
I think, do you want to talk a little bit about pick value or do you want to start talking about how we felt about the pick? Well, we could talk just a little about pick value because we started already. Yes. Where he, he got, so he was um, the sixth wide receiver taken. So there were four in the first round and then um, Mingo and then and then Jaden Reed. And after him, the next wide receivers taken were Rashi Rice and then Marvin Mims. And then a, a little while, I think, after that, Jalen Hyatt. So, um, and five receivers were taken before the green before Green Bay picked again. So there would have been a pretty significant drop off again in sort of wide receiver rank that they would have had available if they didn't pick a wide receiver here. Players they could have had instead: um, Gervon Dexter. Um, do you like if you wanted a different wide receiver? Ones I thought of as I mentioned before: Rasheed Rice or Jalen Hyatt, who had you know a greater speed. Um, uh, measurements but yeah. it was even smaller and skinnier even smaller um, skinnier and more of a purely like only played slot at tennessee i think is the was right. the other question for right him. there are other questions too about that we could talk about and i think i have it some of my notes here and other places they wanted to get zach pickens as a d lineman or Sidney brown as a safety so i think they've shown that they're passing on the safeties early yeah. um here. they seem to have no interest and in the safety like, class not especially early it's like we'll wait till the last one, which they, they, we talked about. I think they actually did pretty well there. But then we could go over our own thoughts. you want to go first? Or, or yeah, shall let's... I talk about my thought? Yeah, so I think we're ready to go on to our, our, our yeah. own thoughts. Um, not our first reactions, but so, as I said, I was surprised when he was first picked. And I had fairly early on stopped looking at him as an option because of I thought his measurables were going to take him off the board. You know, I had heard about him in the first couple of weeks. I started looking at the draft. Um, as somebody keep an eye on, but then it's like, ah, he's too small. They're not going to pick him. I, I hadn't been in a bucket with other receivers. But I think what Green Bay might like about him, despite his um, smaller size, is in contrast to Hyatt, who is a complete unknown in um, working against press coverage or man coverage and only doing the slot. And, you know, that Reed has shown he can work outside very well. And by what we talked about earlier, succeeded at the top of the class against man coverage and against press coverage. And I think that's something that Green Bay may have saw, may have seen and said, oh, we, we like this because he can do all the things that we want him to do. Also, he has shown a willingness to block very yes. aggressively. Yes, he's a very good blocker for his size. I think and, that and, is and, and a big a big thing in terms of him being able to it. him being able to get on the field as a rookie. I think that blocking ability is going to pl- pay dividends for him getting playing time early. Yeah, and I think he actually has the potential to be a high target receiver out of the slot, and then be able to fill in lining up outside as needed. I think his speed and acceleration show up on tape and on the field is like his his um, measured speed in shorts. It's also seen in the senior bowl practices. and But I will always be watching to see how his career compares to Jalen Hyatt's. Somebody yeah. that I was high on and I thought they could have taken in, instead. Um, but I think he... yeah, the, and He'll also probably be doing some of the gadget stuff as well. Motion. And he might be what they thought they or were trying to get with Amari Rogers. And, mm-hmm. But he's a... More uh, a significantly more athletic version, um, and he's play. not a third round pick. 
and he's not a third round pick <laughs> to help. Yeah, for me, I think I have. I'm very split on Jaden Reed. I mm-hmm. think when you watch him in college, he's so exciting, and he's and his and his play is so tantalizing, and you can really see like, wow, this guy looks really freaking good. And then you see guys that whose opinions I really respect, like Ben Fennel, Ben Solak, um, Matt Harmon, who are really high on this guy. Uh, I wish I had gotten those quotes as well. I don't know why I didn't, but Solak and Fennel were also pretty high on him. Um, and you see him go to the senior bowl and you see him kick butt and it's all really awesome. And it's clear that he was an excellent college player with, to me, heavy shades of Jahan Dotson, um, who had a good amount of success in his rookie year with the commanders last year. And was a guy that we were both had a lot of concerns about in terms of being a smaller guy who won a lot on contested catches, who wasn't a super explosive or elite athlete. Um, and we were like, Hey, I don't know how that plays at the NFL level. And I'm here to tell you, those are the same concerns I have with Jaden Reed. Now they're waylaid a bit by seeing Dotson have so much success in his first year, but those are still concerns. Um, I have concerns. I, I, I would say I'm, I, I'm expressing my concerns and I sound like I'm down on him. I would say I'm a lot, I, like I'm still very excited for him. I'm just expressing my concerns because I think for a lot of this, we've been very optimistic. Um, I, I am just to, just to be clear, I'm really excited with him. I'm really excited to watch him first year. I think he is probably the player maybe outside of Tucker craft that I'm most excited to watch this year. Um, he was my favorite player to watch in terms of watching them prepping for these podcasts. Um, I think the way he changes direction, uh, not ch- the way he changes speed and varies his speed in his routes is really exciting and clearly very nuanced. Um, the way that he changes direction plays with a ton of physicality for his size plays with that dog in him in terms of his blocking all super exciting. I think the question for me is like the risk of like a great college player who is just not quite big and athletic enough for it to translate. And I call this Jay Sternberger syndrome because Sternberger, if you don't forget, or sorry, if you don't remember, was an amazing college tight end, but he just wasn't. But it was only one year. I know, I think. but so was Reed, to be fair. But Sternberger just wasn't quite big enough or athletic enough for that dominance at the college level to translate to the pros. And so that's what I am concerned about is like, there are a lot of great college players who are just not big and fast enough to make it in the NFL. And I think if Reed doesn't succeed, that'll be why it'll be because he's a little small. It'll be because he's pretty slight. It'll be because he has short arms and it'll be because he's not super explosive um, and doesn't have like elite change of direction. Like, yes, he's very fast, but a lot, sometimes it takes more than that. Um, I, am, I do I think looking at the the RAS comparison between Jahan Dotson and Jaden Reed, wow, they are similar. That's what I'm saying. They are literally the Super same player. Close, yeah. I don't and, understand and how Dotson it's. I don't, also has sh- short arms. Yeah, that's this is. I was going to say this is His the arms same are only a quarter inch longer, and and uh, they each only did one of the two agility drills, and mm-hmm. Reed was better in the one he did than Dotson on the one he did. Their speeds are almost identical. Their their jumps are kind of similar, their size. It's the same Reed conversation. Is actually, a little bit bigger. It's the same conversation we had. It's like a guy who is like he's not a super elite separator, but 
he ha- he has excellent use of like change of pace like both i think he actually has better change of pace with the ball in his hands than dotson does um but strong hands great body control and excellent strength at the catch point are all things we said we said about dotson and it's like but he's small like can a small player win that way and it's like at the time for Dotson, it's like, I don't know like what the odds of that translating are. And they did for Dotson, but it doesn't mean the odds magically shot up for Reed that those are going to translate. And so it's like, I have the same concerns there. Now, am I really excited for Reed? Yes. But I think the, the, like I said, the size and athleticism just to wrap it up are the things that concern me. Um, did you have any closing remarks on Reed or should we move on to Wicks? Because we do still have a lot to talk about for him. Um, no, I'm ready to move on. I was, but I would say uh, also um, agree that I'm very excited to watch him play and see how it works out. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, if he's good, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes Dobbs's job as the second receiver. He could. Yeah. Um, be number two in targets on the team. Yes. But let's move on to Dontavian Wicks, who the Packers drafted in the fifth round with pick 159, the second receiver they took in this draft out of the University of Virginia. He's almost 22 years old. Um, Dad, what was your initial reaction when they took Wicks? Um, so my first reaction was, I was excited when they picked him. I had been picking him a lot in like the fourth or fifth round of my mock drafts. There, however, there were other wide receivers available, especially A.T. Perry, that I um, liked even more. Um, though I did think that Wicks was a, was a, a potential target for the Packers. And so I was not surprised at all when they got him. And one of the things they did is they got him with a pick they got they got from the um trading back to get before they got Reed. So he, he they they picked uh Wick, free. Wicks with it's it's free real estate. <laughs> right. With 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 the free pick. I, I like this pick actually. Even it's a high risk, high reward, I think, uh yeah. a pick. He's he 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 could be incredible or he could bust. Yeah, he he could and be out of the league in just he could be out of the league in two look years. At his his cops, yeah, I think two good cops. If you look at the athletic uh, profiles, are Devontae Adams and Jamon Moore. Yep, it's like well, those are two ends of the spectrum. Uh, my initial reaction for when they picked him was, um, I knew they met with him, and so I knew they had interest in him. Um, and add on to the fact that they picked him later than he was being projected in a lot of mock drafts. Um, meant that I was really excited for the pick. I was like, hey, this is a guy you clearly had a lot of interest in. You used a top 30 visit on him, so you showed you had a lot of interest in him, and you got good value on him. So it's like, hey, that's a good pick. And like we said, super high risk, super high reward, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I, I like the pick a lot as well for the value, I think, is the biggest thing, and the fact that they were clearly high on him as an organization. Um, to move on to the athleticism, though, and the physical profile, uh, as you already mentioned uh, with his comps. So for Dontavian Wicks, uh, very elite athlete in terms of relative athletic score. Um, he is six foot one and a half, almost uh, six foot one and three eighths um, with 32 and three eighths inch arms and 10 inch hands. So very big hands. And he weighs 206 pounds. So bigger, uh, bigger bodied receiver, a 39 inch vertical, which is in the 92nd percentile and a 10 foot, uh, almost 11 foot broad jump. Uh, 10 foot and 10 inches broad jump, which is in the 96th percentile. However, not very fast at all. A 46240, which is down in the 39th percentile with a pretty mediocre 10 yard split though of 20 of 2.63, which is in the uh, 64th percentile, but an elite 10 yard split 
um, of 1.55, which is in the 83rd percentile. And interestingly enough, is just two hundredths of a second off of um, Jaden Reed's, I believe. Um, so yes. in terms of in terms of his sh- least short area burst, you can tell by the vertical broad and ten yard split that he has elite short area burst, which is good to see. Um, a four point two shuttle, which is in the seventy third percentile, which is good, and then a six point nine one three cone, which is in the seventy third percentile, which is also very good, uh, very solid. Um, and so he is an elite athlete with a relative athletic score of 9.17, if I forgot to mention that. Um, his RAS comps uh, were Willie Jackson out of Florida in 1994, uh, Marquez Callaway out of Tennessee in 2020, Brandon Smith out of Iowa in 2021, Chris Moore out of Cincinnati in 2016, and then uh, Devontae Allen out of Marshall in 2016. Um, Packers claim to have clocked him at 4.52 in the 40. Uh, that's very different from 4. That's a whole 4.62. Uh, that's. I, they and, might and need. He s- was, he was timed at four five eight in his pro day. Okay, well they might need some new timers though if they're <laughs> timing him at four five two. But, but four five eight is still not four five two. But yeah, long arms, big hands. Um, was below average on all of the Senior Bowl on field speed metrics, so he's not really playing fast. Um, this isn't necessarily the kiss of death though. Uh, Jacoby Myers measured similarly uh, on field at the Senior Bowl, um, and he's similar in a lot of measurables to him. Um, so that's hopeful. Uh, playerprofiler.com only has a 25th percentile speed score, but a 90th percentile burst score, as we talked about with those jumps and 10-yard split, and an 84th percentile catch radius. And they put him about top 20% all-time in athleticism at receiver, um, which uh, adjusted, which in terms of the, this size, is, this score is adjusted for size. Uh, like you said, though, that's almost exactly the same as Jamon Moore and Devontae Adams, so that's where they're getting that comp. Um, their player, player profiler yeah, think, official his, comp, his... though, is Travis Fulgham. Yeah, his official score on their uh, athleticism score and player profile is 104.2, and I think Adams and Jamon Moore are like 104.5, but also right around that like top 20% all-time, which is in contrast to Jaden Reed's like, like bottom 25% yeah. all-time. And, and I think part of this is because he's, he's a, a, a bigger receiver, um, yeah. more massive, and is just as good um, agility and much better um, burst, much better... Um, broad and vertical jumps. Yeah. And I think the the thing that I wanted to mention as well is he, he, like the big arms and hands. Like si- so his arm length um, is 62nd percentile and then his hand size is in the 86th percentile. So you'd hope that would translate to some really good blocking with big hands like that is something that you could be hopeful for. Um, yeah, but I Dad, think he's been a pretty good blocker though. I don't think he's got like the sort of just crazy dog blocking tape like Reed yeah. does where he's like still going after the guy blocking him through the sideline. Yeah. Which I think is one of the most exciting things about Reed, but dad, we're not talking about Reed. We're talking about Dontavian Wicks and let's talk a little bit about his production. Do you want to take it away? Right. So he like Reed had, yes, this is Jekyll and Hyde because 2021 was great. And 2022 even, even more was Jekyll and Hyde. 2022 so was he basically two, two years of uh sample size where First year, he had, like, three catches. You know, it's just not much usage. Then he was hurt, missed a year for injury. 2021, he just balled out. Um, had 1,200 yards, 21.1 yards per reception, um, 57 receptions on 93 targets. Um, but then in 2022, he wait, wait, only... wait. Can we just talk about how 
absolutely insane 21.1 yards per reception on 50 catches is. Yeah, so... That's insane. That's his, out of um, your mind. Yeah, I was, I was going to talk a little bit about... Uh, let's see. His... His um, PFF score on catches on, on on targets twenty yards downfield was like ninety seven point one, so super elite. And also is is a tar- in twenty twenty one, and his targets downfield between ten and nineteen yards was ninety at the ninety a score of ninety five um, by PFF. So super elite scores on deep balls. Um, he had a huge difference in catch percentage. So in 2021, his catch percentage was, um, what did I have? I have that sound somewhere. It's like 50, 60% in 2021 per player profiler, but only 41% in 2022. Um, so for his career, he's averaged 18.8 yards per, per, uh, per catch. Um, his, his breakout age is 20.2 in the 56th percentile and his college and his college dominators in the 50th percentile yards per reception numbers in the 85th percentile um per nfl draft buzz his qb rating with targets only 88.4 um and pff had it at 99.7 for his career however if you look at the two years so last year where he had this like really bad year in um, 59.4 rating when targeted by, by PFF. Um, his drop percentage was 23%. It's like really bad. Yeah. I mean, and if you drop percentage, if you drop one in four passes thrown your way, you are going straight to the bench in the NFL, straight to the bench. But in 2021, no, his that's the rating thing. when he targeted was, was so good in 2021. His, his rating when targeted was 128. And his yeah. drop percentage was only eight, which is fine. It's actually quite good. Yeah, a little bit fine. above, a little bit better than average. So he has like one year. So he's only got two years. One year was incredible, and one year was just straight up bad. Um, Here's you want to hear uh, you want to hear a question. So one if thing is, if he's like Preston Smith, where he is that every other year <laughs> player, is it a good pick? Where, where every other year is like he needs to go straight to the bench. What do you think? Would that be worth in the, it? In the fifth round, yes. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I just wanted to ask. And uh, so he's had you know, 4.1 yards um, after the catch per reception, which is good when he's got a 14.6 um, depth of target. So yeah. kind of similar yards after um, catch um, as Reed with a three yards deeper toss. Yeah. Oh, I was going to look at the his yards per route run. Yeah, so this past 2022 was 1.45, but in 2021 it was 3.25. So yeah. his highs are higher than higher, reads. And his higher than reads. Are lower. Yeah. Um now overall that whole UVA yeah. offense was a mess. That's so the his, thing. his 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 in 2022, his quarterback Brandon Armstrong, his passer rating in 2021 overall was 105.1. And when targeting um, Wicks, it was 128.5. And now his pass rating plunged almost 40 points to 66.2 in 2022. And then he's he, he transferred to NC State. They had a new coach um, in 2022. Um, and 
it was it, it did not go well on offense. But I would say, even though he had a really terrible year this past year, he still actually graded Wicks did pretty well on passes 10 yards downfield and 20 yards down, more than 10, so 10 to 19 or over 20, um, with a with a, a score of 85.6 from 10 to 19 yards and 78.8 for over 20-yard um, deep balls. Not quite as good as 2021, but still actually quite good. Um even though overall his his grade was much worse. And it was look interesting that his usage is mostly in the deep middle and to the left, almost nothing on the right side. Um mm-hmm. so so yeah. in terms of his production, this so that's I think even even in his bad year, there are some things to say, hey, he's still doing okay at this. Yeah, and there are there are signs of life. Well the thing is it's like Man, oh, 2020, well, 2021, it's like, like you can say all these numbers. He had 1,200 yards in 12 games. He's averaging 100 yards a game. That yeah. is insane. And the thing is, awesome. it's like, that's, 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 a, that's absurd. And the thing is, so the thing to remember at? is, the thing to remember is if he doesn't have that 2022, there is no way in hell the Packers are drafting him in the fifth round. Like, oh, that's, that's I, the important I, thing to remember. Say. You talk about Jekyll and Hyde. Which one's Jekyll and which one's Hyde? One of them's a second-round player, and the other one is undraftable. Yes, exactly. And, so that's, and, those, are the, those are the extremes of what he is. And maybe he's a first-round player. If he had a second year, like if 2022 was like 2021, and he had two years in a row like that, he could be a first-round I mean, you're looking at his year. game log from 2021. It's 94 yards, 69 yards, 183 yards, 114 yards, 75 yards, and then a bad game against Louisville. Then 125 yards, 168 yards, 125 yards, and then a down game against Notre Dame, and then 144 yards. I mean, just unstoppable. You'd think by like the fifth hundred yard game, someone's going to just triple cover this guy, but he's just it's every time. When you put on the tape and watch him, he is fun to watch with a ball in his hands. His... You can like, the short stop, area start and, and the the jukes and, and, and to the jumps and the ten tackler. yard split the jumps and the ten yard split play on tape in twenty twenty one like you see yeah. it happen and this is why I think even though overall he's like top speed is is not good his short area burst his jumps and his ten yard split is a way to win even at the NFL level. So maybe he's not going to catch the ball and go 80 yards downfield because somebody's going to catch him from behind. But he has the ability to elude a tackler in short space and get open and get the ball. And you see this a bit on um, – I watched both of them, you know, read it and talk about the one-on-one drills in the senior bowl. At the senior bowl. And he I wanted to just say to... also, though, unfortunately we couldn't find reception perception stuff for Wicks um, like we were as easily we were able to for Reed. But that just is how it is. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead and see. Yeah. Watching his one-on-ones, he looks nice. He is, like, getting open. He is, like, fighting to disengage as players are grabbing and holding. And, and there's one, I think, where he loses the guy and he, he, like, fakes back to cut back towards the quarterback and then heads up. The guy has no idea. The, the defender has no idea where he is. He's just running wide open. And he's... Uh, also showing that he's able to pull the ball in even when he's covered. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, so I think actually, even though 2021 was not, I mean, 2022 wasn't a good year, 
he still looked good at the senior bowl. Yeah. In, in the drills, at, uh, um, at least, which I really like. I think I like to pay a lot of attention to those one-on-one drills because then you're seeing, you know, top players against each other um, and not worried so much about whether somebody was fa- facing soft competition all the time. And I mean, Dontavian Wicks, um, according to this tweet from Jim Nagy, uh, who is in charge of the Senior Bowl, was voted Amer- the American team's wide receiver practice player of the week um, by vote from his uh, peers in the American um, defensive backs group. So even the other players on the field thought he was having a really good Senior Bowl. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, and so in terms of what people thought about him, um, here are what the the scouts had to say about him. And just remember that the Packers did pick him with pick 159. Um, so uh, with that in mind, uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network had him at 145, uh, wide receiver 16. Um, Mel Kuyper, though, did not have him in his top 150, but did have him as wide receiver 26. Uh, PFF had him as their 188th overall player. And then Dane Brugler did not have him in his top 100, but did have him as wide receiver 19. Um, quote, and this this is what he had written about him. The rest of them didn't have any blurbs for him. Um, from Brugler, though, quote, Wicks's basketball background shows on the football field with his athletic movements, body length, and ability to elevate and out-rebound the football. However, the concentration drops are a glaring issue, and he must buckle down on the finer points of the position to maximize his talent. Overall, Wix's evaluation is complicated because of the night and day difference between his 2021 and 2022 performances, but the raw talent is there for him to continue ascending as he polishes his game. His development potential will understandably capture the interest from NFL teams in the top four rounds. So, despite not having him top 100, he had him as a third, fourth round grade, and Packers got him at 159. Um, so, I think it's safe to say that, at least on average, or at least for Jeremiah and Brugler, where they got him was a good value. Right, so they got him at the 19th wide receiver overall. Um, there were other wide receivers that they could have had afterwards that that went, but uh, so 19th overall and 159, um, as and which yep. is that's solid. Kind of, it's it's solid in terms of where he's projected. You know, somebody doesn't have him in the top 100. Well, he went to 159. He didn't go in the top 100, and he didn't go in the top 150. You know, Kuiper didn't have him there. He went to 159, and the, it, some of them had him a little earlier in terms of what players listed to the wide receiver, some a little later. And I think it's kind of, you are rolling the dice a little bit. Say, and here's this guy the thing. could be amazing and there could be just a bad situation around him. He did say that he struggled a little bit with, uh, with the new offense and maybe you have to figure out what he's... I think a good coach should be figuring out what is he good at and just giving him that. Hopefully. And the thing the, the thing is, though, it's like, we'll talk a little bit about what we think about him, but it's like, man, if they could just get that 2021 player. And the thing is, it's like, in the fifth round, I think that the, the idea yeah. of taking home run swings is a super, super valid strategy. It's like... Absolutely. Because how it, many is of it those better actually to hit, make it? Is it better to hit on, like, 1 in t- 10, 1 in 15, 1 in 20, like, great players or is it better to hit on like one in two like ver- like solid players? Like there's there's valid arguments either way on which is a good strategy, but I think swinging for the fences is a perfectly is a perfectly decent strategy. And um in terms of what the Packers thought about him, um Milt Hendrickson, the Packers director of football operations, I got this quote from Packers Wire as well. 
um, seems to also uh, say essentially insinuate the Packers are kind of leaning on 2021. Uh, quote, ton of production in 2021. A lot of upside. Athletic compliment that goes along with his skill set that we really liked. When you watch the 21 tape, there's a significant difference. That's what we're hanging our hat on. He literally said, that's what we're hanging our hat on. He's like, we are yeah. betting I mean, on yeah. 21. We're betting on 21, baby. They're admitting that they're, you know, willing to go with upside. Yeah, and, which and is... there are reasons why 2022 wasn't as good. And when you're yeah. a rebuilding team, betting on upside is a great strategy. You know, it's like you're not looking is... to fill holes. You're looking to you're looking to get, like, good players. And... And if he doesn't good do like if he's not that, it's like no harm, no foul. You're not looking for immediate contributors. Like you don't need immediate contributors. You know, the other thing is when you have thirteen picks, yeah. you can take some big swings. And we talked about this. This was a trade down pick. This is a free pick anyways. Right. So right, you, you have enough picks where you make some safe picks and you take and you take some home run swings. You take some quarterbacks no one had a draftable grade on. You take a kicker who made 60% of his kicks in college. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's free money. Free um, money when you got 13 picks, baby. Yep. Um, but let's wrap it up here. I think the last thing we have to talk about is what we thought about this picks. And, Dad, what did you think about Wicks? So, overall, I'm excited by his upside. He's no sure thing, but if his 21 tape is a ceiling, then he's a steal. He's like getting an early second-round pick if he... If 2021 is the real Dontavian Wicks, his athletic testing is a kind of a really interesting mix. It's like this slow 40 time, but he gets an elite overall testing because of his size and his explosive ability with his um, vertical, broad, and 10 yard splits. Um, I really liked watching him on tape, his stop start ability with the ball in his hands. And you see some, I forget who is against, and he's like up against the sideline, comes to an immediate stop, changes direction, loses one tackler, does another juke. Loses another tackle and eventually cuts all the way into the end zone. Um, he, as we talked about, all, and, and, and as uh, the quote you had, and I had similar, it was like, you can kind of see the basketball game mm-hmm. when he's got in his background, when he's got the ball in his hands. Um, to, sort of the juke, the, the crossover. And you know who else had that? Former Packer. Don't Devontae say it. Adams. Don't say it. So, don't put, but, but don't we put had, that out but, there. But this is, but yeah, and we've already talked about the two extremes. The two extremes of, out, of his outcomes are both Packer players, um, and, and and he's similar to both of them in a number of the athletic testing. And I expect him to fall somewhere in the middle. The drops this past year were really bad, but in 2021, the drops were basically average. So I don't think it means. I think this means it's not a permanent problem and it was a one-year problem in the drops um but in terms of like thinking about who else they could have just like i was i'm gonna be watching um jalen hyatt while i in comparing him to reed i i'm gonna be following the career of at perry mm, went yeah much later than i expected way but later the packers, than expected. but the packers could have had him here he also tested very well um for traits and was productive for two seasons so that's something that I'll be that I'll be keeping an eye on. Yeah, and for me, I think could my my little little one liner is could be Jamon Moore, could be a whole lot more. Um, <laughs> the hands I think are the biggest question are are a big question. I think actually though, um, the biggest question for me is the speed, uh, because the hit rate of receivers who run a four six two or slower 
is historically not great. Usually around that like four six four six five mark is when it's like okay, just don't even bother taking these players uh, because the chances of you getting a good one are really low. Um, and you look back and it's like you're you're gonna have some uh, that hit, but it's like when you look at it and you're like looking at like how many players you have to go to before you get to one that is good. It's like sure, Cooper Cup ran a four six two. Okay. And it's Jacoby like Jacoby Myers ran a four six four. Jacoby Myers ran a four six four, a four six three or whatever it was. But then it's like just so many other players to run a slow forty that you have never, ever, ever heard of. The vast majority. Here's one thing that I would say though about that. How many of those Had elite slow forties have an elite 10 yard split. How did I know you were going to say that? Because I, it's a good question. This is how you, you, what you think about is how is a player going to win? And so, yeah, maybe he's not going to break off 50 yard runs with the ball in his hands because he, but he's got the short quickness and burst to get open and, and get the ball when it's coming. Yeah. And then my, my other question. So, so I would like sorry, to see ahead. like what's, what's the hit rate for players? with an elite 10-yard split. Here's the question. I don't have that I answer. think there might be four total who have a front of 4-6-2 and have an elite 10 yards. Like, there are probably not many of those players. Right. So which one is more important? I That's don't true. have the answer. That's but true. We, yeah. So we, I, don't think, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. Is it more important for the 40 time, or is it more important for the 10-yard split? Yeah. And then the other question I have is learning the playbook. Um, like you said, learning the new offense at Virginia has been accredited to a, a lot of his struggles in 2022. That was a more pro style offense under Tony Elliott at Virginia in his last year. Um, given that, I think it's fair to have some questions about how he's going to adapt to an NFL playbook, which is even more complicated. Um, but I think either way, like even if he doesn't pan out, I think it's a good flyer, like a good bet to make in the fifth round. Because like you said, if he didn't have these question marks, like in terms of top speed and in terms of um, production in 2022, there's no way they're ever getting him with this pick. So it's like, I think either way, the process makes sense to me. And so I'm happy with this pick because uh, the, the ceiling is very high. Like, he could be a very good player. I know that odds of that happening are not super high. But when you look at 2021, it's so it's it's it, so it, exciting. It's, it, the, as I say, the, the juice is worth the squeeze. Yes. At, at pick 159. Because, like, when you think about other fifth-round picks over the years, it's like the Packers have had some good success with fifth-round picks over the years. But it's like Kingsley Kiki didn't get a second contract with the team. You've got... Um, help me out a little bit going back. Stepaniak didn't didn't play a snap no, for no, the Packers. He just yeah, he never, um, never got going. In, injuries, just he couldn't. He he didn't play he football. Got, he got injured. All he um, could do was um bench press at the um combine. Yeah. Um, Cole Madison, I think, was a fifth round pick. Never played for the Packers. Uh, you, obviously, you got Marquez Valdez Scantling, who is like the gem of fifth round picks. Anyone who has a problem with Marquez Valdez Scantling is like, the, if you have a completely unserious expectation of what a fifth round pick is supposed right. to be, you just got to go back and remember where he was drafted. Yeah, and then, but it's like when you look at it through that lens, it's like 
what like what do most of these fifth round picks turn out to be? It's like I think it's completely reasonable to take a flyer like that um, in the fifth round, uh, in my opinion. Um, is there anything else, Dad, you want to add on Dontavian Wicks before we wrap this up? I think we pretty much covered it, um, the notes I had. Um, if I can just say some more fifth-round picks. I mean, obviously last year, Kingsley and Agbari, that seems like a hit. but And then TJ Slayton seems good. But then you got Kamal Martin, who never got a second contract. Uh, J.K. Scott, who was a punter that wasn't that good. Um, obviously you have Aaron Jones. Sorry. Sorry, Aaron Jones. You were the one I forgot. That was the true, the true gem of fifth rounders. Uh, but then for every one of those, you got Trevor Davis, Brett Hundley, um, Jared Aberderis. You do have Corey Lindsley. You do have Micah Hyde. I guess my argument is losing steam as <laughs> I list first team all pro after first team all pro. My Packers argument is losing some, steam. Uh, amazing fifth round but, draft picks. But hey, those are players with question marks. Aaron Jones, very small for the position. Can he play at that level? Um, uh, Corey Lindsley. Kingsley Barre was not very King's athletic. Barre, not edge, very athletic for an edge rusher. It's like, hey, take swings on players that you think have high ceilings and see what happens. Uh, I know I just listed like six first-team All-Pros <laughs> guys in a row, which is not so great. You know what that means. Packers are very good at drafting fifth-rounders. Dontavian Wicks is going to be an All-Pro. Going to be an All-Pro. You heard it here first, folks. But anyway... Thanks so much for listening. This has been our breakdown of two of the Packers' new receivers. Next week, we'll be talking about two of the Packers' new interior D linemen, Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks. We're very excited for that one, and I hope and we hope you guys are too. Uh, if you like what you heard here, like we said, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. Uh, come subscribe to us on all podca- podcast platforms and YouTube. We have all our episodes over there. Uh, it'd really help our numbers. And until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.